Sales and a Measuring Line. I'm your host, Heath Meadows. Hope everyone's having a great week so far. Before we get started on our topic today, I want to recall a podcast I did on communion. And in that podcast, I just basically went over what communion is, the biblical standard for taking and partaking in communion, where some of the mistakes are being made today. But one of the things I want to focus on is a statement I made that I believe God is using the New Testament, what theologians would call the liturgical practices of the New Testament, which is baptism and communion. He's really pouring out his spirit in these practices, and I believe he's calling the church to a more consecrated life, a holy life. In fact, we are commanded to be holy even as God is holy. And I find it interesting, and I had no idea this was going on, that Lou Engle, who, if you don't know who Lou Engle is, he's he's pretty famous. He's done things like The Call, which was a real hu- a huge movement of young people where he would just fill stadiums for weekends and just a, just an awesome movement. And Rock the Nations is another one of his ministries. Now it's just Lou Engle Ministries. But he recently, on October 8th, gathered together pastors from across the nation to take communion with, to bring unity, to basically repent in a time of worship. And his statement was that he believes that great communion revival will happen because it's focusing on the Lamb of God, Jesus and his shed blood, and it will lead to a vast harvest of souls. He said God began to speak to him about taking communion every day about a year ago. And I just want to encourage people to go back and listen to that podcast if you've not. Uh, It's something that I really felt strongly about when I witnessed uh, a church take communion in a very haphazard way. There needs to be a reintroduction to the holiness in the church to a time of just solemn awe of who he is and what he did on the cross. And I am a firm believer in what Mr. Engel said here. This is something that I believe if churches begin to do this, are going to start seeing the Holy Spirit being poured out in their midst. So again, if you've not listened to that podcast, go back and check it out. There's some good information in that. And as Christians, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And what that means is we're to be separate. We're to live lives that are totally different and than what we see in, in the current culture around us. And in fact, I believe that one of the ways you bring people into the kingdom is and from the culture is to be separate from it. When you look at Acts, we see that many people in the book of or Many people during the time of the book of Acts respected the church, but did not partake in it. And we, we, it's kind of that opposite mentality of what the Western church has today. I believe that's in Acts chapter, it's either five or six, where basically Luke, who is recounting the, the events during that time, is saying that, you know, that the church, although respected by the community, and many signs and wonders were being done. They just, you know, did not join unless they were really serious about joining. And you say that, so you see that in Acts chapter, I'm going to just go ahead and read that to you. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were 
regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And when we talk about what really happened to explode the growth of the church in the first 400 years, which was the, the greatest explosion of, of church growth in, his, in the 2000 history of the church, I do believe that's going to be overshadowed this very, very soon. In fact, it, it might be headed, edging that way now with the numbers that are coming in. But the idea there is that, you know, there was a supernatural presence within the church. Not only was the word being taught, but great signs and wonders were being done too. And in the early church, what was really fascinating, I did a my master's thesis on exorcism in the early church. And what's really fascinating to me is one of the things that was contributed to the massive growth of the church was exorcism and the demonstration of Jesus's superiority over demonic entities and quote-unquote little g gods of pagan religions. And we're heading for that type of showdown today. In fact, in our nation right now, the devil's not hiding. There is a growing number of people that are being deceived and being drawn in by the occult through false hopes and false practices, through you know false promises of control and making your life better and having to be able to manipulate circumstances to your benefit. And so there's this great pull of just the new age and occult practices within the American society and Western society in general. You'll see this not just in America, but in other cultures. We definitely, you know, when we go to third world countries and we see the pagans, we expect that. But from a from a Western viewpoint, when most of our countries, when we look in Europe and you know, you know the United Kingdom and and America, we see that you know there is a lot of Christian influence at the beginning of these nations. That we have, it's just kind of shocking to be honest that we've fallen so far away from many of the roots that that the you know first peoples of this nation that we've fallen so far away from some of those Christian ideas and practices. But the reality is this is where we're at. In fact, we are almost in the exact same position that Paul was in when he began to preach the gospel in the Roman Empire. We see throughout the Roman Empire that pagan temples and practices were the norm. When the Israelites went into the land of Canaan, they were surrounded by the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Moabites and all the ites who practice different kinds of pagan religions and really kind of nasty stuff when it comes to how they worship with sacrificing of children and sexual or sexual intercourse through their temples. And so we see these kinds of things that's been throughout history. And America right now is, is no different. We're seeing an increase in all this stuff. What's I want to talk about a little bit today, because obviously we're in the month of October. It's Halloween and on 31st, and we have the trick-or-treat thing going on. I do find it very interesting that we have uh, All Hallows' Eve right after one of the most holy festivals and times in the Jewish people's calendar throughout the year. And though we don't, again, I've talked about this on the last podcast, we don't practice those, the feast anymore, the feast of trumpets, the feast of, 
or Yom Kippur or the, the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't we don't practice those anymore. Those are not in the New Testament liturgy, but they're good to recognize and a good time to mark on your calendar to, to just do an inventory of your life and to really let God search you. And we talked about that. Those high, they're, they're known as the high holy days. And then here you go a couple of weeks after you have Halloween. I don't think that's coincidence. But uh, as Christians, what's happening right now is these kinds of practices, these pagan practices, are actually infiltrating the church through just a lack of knowledge. And I don't want to condemn anybody out there because you just may not know. And when we don't know, we don't have the knowledge, we tend to, you know, obviously stumble on things. The danger of not knowing doesn't really keep you from experiencing the negative demonic activity that could come from that. So before we start into the topic, I do want to make sure that I uh, say this plainly, that there is not a demon behind every bush. We have to be really careful that we don't over-spiritualize things. We want to maintain a balance. But with that being said, we shouldn't shrug off things that are happening within our society, and especially the things that we are seeing on TV through like Hollywood, Disney's one right now. FX has a show called Little Demon in which a girl is actually the Antichrist and her father is Satan. Her mom had an affair with Satan and this stuff is on TV. What's really scary about the the Little Demon show is the practicing witches and the occult symbols within that show are actually those that are really used within those organizations. So again, the the symbols, the things that are alluded to are in reality things that the Bible says are an abomination to the Lord. They are also things that are really actually used in occult practices. And that's a scary thing. That's been going on for quite some time where People that have uh, basically paganism has been kind of slipped in through kids programming. I remember if you go all the way back to uh, the Smurfs on Saturday morning in the 80s, you had the Smurfs and you had Gargamel, which was the wizard who was their enemy. And his cat was Azrael. Azrael is a demonic entity. It's actually, I think it's pretty much the same as Azazel that is listed in the book of Leviticus. And so, again, you see these little things slipped in there. Uh, there was also a real big stink on on the Smurfs because some of the things that Gargamel, the spells that he was casting, were actually found in some of the ancient spell books in different areas and Samaritan and stuff. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's been sneaking in there for a long time, but now it's just blatant, man. They're not even trying to sneak the stuff in. We have to guard ourselves from those types of things because what's happening is Christians unknowingly are stepping into divination, sorcery, things of that nature unknowingly. And then once they do that, they are, are actually stepped into a legal bound, like a almost not a legal contract, but it gives Satan legal right to just bring some havoc into your life. I'm not saying you're going to get possessed. Total possession, I don't believe. So there's a couple of different things just real quick to touch on with that. 
I do not believe a Christian can be demon-possessed. In other words, that the demon completely possesses the body of the person. He has no control. However, a Christian can be demonized because they step into an area that they have no freaking business stepping into, i.e. playing with a Ouija board. If you're a Christian playing with a Ouija board, stop. And then I would probably repent. All right, no, that's probably about it. You need to repent, ask God forgiveness, and ask him to cleanse you of any kind of evil influence that might be on your life. And you may actually want to get help with or have some people in your church or whatever pray for you. Because I'm telling you right now, when you open yourself up to, especially the Ouija board, that is not a toy like it's marketed to be. That is actual gateways to realms that we have absolutely no business playing with. And the stories that I have heard over the years of people and Christians becoming demonically or demonized or having demonic entities in their home, actually manifestations of such things, usually stem around somebody either playing with a Ouija board or being a part of a seance or something like that. I actually just seen a I story heard of a testimony of a Christian couple who went on a ghost hunt in Ohio, actually, where I live, up at the Mansfield Reformatory, the old prison that Shawshank Redemption was filmed in. And they brought something home with them, and it actually ended up killing the dog. The dog that was, uh, she had a dog, this woman, was perfectly healthy. She began having dreams, nightmares of some kind of demonic dog, demonic activity. The dog became, she had a dream that the dog was butchered, and it was really pretty nasty. And uh, this dog was healthy. It was only a couple years old. It got a disease and died within a month or two after them going to do this ghost hunt. And the vet actually told her that the disease the dog had usually takes years to actually, you know, kill or cause death. This dog, it literally took just like a month or two. So these things are real. And as we live in the middle of a supernatural conflict that's going on, the Bible, New Testament is very clear. Paul tells us we war not against flesh and blood, but about spiritual wickedness in high places. You see spiritual wickedness throughout what the 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 early church all the way through 2,000 years of history of exorcisms and an acknowledgement of people being possessed by demons coming out of pagan cultures. And we have to be aware of these things. And we're not to glorify them. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on them. But what's happening in the church today is people unaware are stepping into the devil's playground and they're having some issues. A case in point, just read an article where a woman came for just came for prayer, was having problems. I don't know what the problems were. Came for prayer, and a demon manifested, started stalking out of her. And the, they were, as they were asking her questions, are you getting involved in witchcraft? What's going on here? And she said no, and they, they kept asking questions. And bottom line, they got to is she read the horoscope weekly, and somehow it gave access to this thing into her life. So these things are happening, and we have to be careful. And Hollywood is desensitizing our children and this generation to an area of worshiping demonic entities and fallen angels and all this stuff that really, again, if you're, if you're young in this world, it, it's such a... We like to tell stories of, well, when I was young, I walked six, you know, six miles of school backwards and two feet of snow. I'm going to hear, I'm here to tell you to all those that are my age in their forties, those that are even older, you do, did not combat near 
the crap and garbage that our young people are dealing with today. Not even close. Not even remotely close. They are bombarded from the time they turn on the TV to the time they turn on social media, when they go to school, when they when they come home, you know, sometimes when they come home, they are bombarded with the the devil and his and his agenda. They're just there's just no getting away from it. If it's not sexual oriented, it's it's witchcraft. It's I mean, it's the darkness is increasing. Case in point. Growing up, my grandma, I used to talk to her about, I used to like when I was a kid, I liked the old black and white, like Frankenstein and the werewolf and Dracula and all those. And also remember Abbott and Costello and those, you know, Abbott and Costello meet the werewolf. And if you don't know what that is, you need to look it up. I'm not going to go to explain who Abbott and Costello was. They were comics way back when, but they were always reruns, black and white reruns when I was a kid. And uh, my grandma refused to watch them because she was scared to death of Frankenstein. Now, if you've ever seen the old Frankenstein, it was in black and white, blood and collar. The guy looked like he had a blockhead. He walked, uh, you know, like there was no way you could not outrun Frankenstein if he was coming to get you in that movie. There's just no way. I mean, he, he, he walked so slow, it wasn't even funny. But she was scared to death of it. And I, as a kid, didn't, wasn't scared one iota of him. That shows you a, a gradual, how desensitized we have become. Because think about this. The, if you, I mean, if you've seen some of the horror movies, even in the 80s, 90s, compared to that, that's child's play. Man, that's like a cartoon. Our cartoons are scarier than that. Let's be honest. And so we have as come up in a society, again, just like the Romans, and as people of God, we need to make sure that we are aware of what's going on. So the first thing I want to bring to everybody's attention before we really dive into some of the witchcraft stuff, and maybe we'll get into maybe some things deeper in our other podcasts, is the fact that we need to make sure that this stuff is not infiltrating our home and infiltrating our church. The, the fascination with angels and the charismatic movement, to find an angel, to hear an angel, or have your angel... That is not biblical. In fact, Paul rebukes the Galatians for that very practice. Stop chasing after angels. Don't do that. I mean, because here's the deal. You're dealing with forces that are not what... It's a realm we were never created to be in. We were created in the physical realm. These things have been alive and around for thousands and thousands of... Who knows? Maybe millions of years. We don't know. To think that they don't know more than we do is arrogance. And to think that they cannot deceive us. And Paul tells us very plainly that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So this chasing after angel numbers, angel cards, and all these different things, this is not biblical. It is witchcraft. It is plain and simple witchcraft. It is circumventing the proper way to access the supernatural. And that is through God. There is a supernatural realm. Don't get me wrong. We as Christians straddle both the physical and the supernatural. We live, you know, the very fact that Jesus was resurrected and we're born again and he's, he ascended, all those things, those penance of the, of the Christian faith, those are all supernatural. Resurrection is supernatural. Someone getting healed of terminal cancer is supernatural. 
Someone being able to read your mail prophetically is supernatural. It's tapping into the mind of God. It's the Holy Spirit. That is our access into the supernatural. Not an angel, not a spell, not a horoscope, you know, none of that. Our trust is in the Lord and what he chooses to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit and empower us through the Holy Spirit. Anything else is witchcraft. Anything else is divination or sorcery. And what we'll find in the Old Testament is there is no word that the Hebrew has for witchcraft. It's either sorcery or divination. And it all has to do with control. In fact, the very definition of witchcraft is that it's in a belief that it is possible for a man or a woman to exert an influence over his fellow or her fellow human being or to change the course of events. It's circumventing God and his sovereignty. It is rebellion. So, again, we see this throughout the Bible that it's forbidden. And as we look at some of the programs that we see on TV, it is just riddled with them. One of the, again, this is something that if you don't study and know, you probably wouldn't just think, well, it was just a stupid show. But again, going back to the 80s and just to show you how far we have come. But even in the 80s, there were stains that were being planted that have led to today. This thing's not just been something that all of a sudden, poof, it's appeared. It has been a gradual introduction and desensitization to the nation to make demons a friendly word. When you look at Ghostbusters, I mean, come on, who are you going to call Ghostbusters? That's that's the 80s. One of the favorites of the 80s is Ghostbusters. I've watched it. I don't know how many times I've seen it, especially as a younger teenager. I mean, it was funny. It didn't have any nudity in it. I don't even remember if it has any cussing in it. I don't I don't know. It has, it's been a while since I've, I've actually watched the whole thing through. I mean, it, and especially it's been on, it's October, so it's going to be on a lot. But if I remember correctly, let me think, I was showing, test my memory skills here. So you have Sigourney Weaver, who is having some experiences in her apartment and you have Rick Moranis, who is the little nerd that lives down the hallway. If you've not seen the movie, this is probably not going to make any sense. But basically, you know, her her Sigourney Weaver's apartment and her building that she lives in, the apartment building, is like this big spiritual antenna that's set up to bring in this god from Samaria. Samaria. And in order for the gate to open... They are Sigourney Weaver and the little nerd, Rick, Rick Moran is down the hallway. They get possessed by like these demon dogs, right? And just think about this. How, how crazy this sounds when you're talking about it just out loud. But in order for the gateway to open, I believe Sigourney Weaver is the gatekeeper and Rick Moranis is the key master, I think, if I remember right. And they have to have sexual relationship in order for the gate to open which happens, you don't see anything in the movie, it's implied. What's dangerous about that is that is an actual pagan ritual practice, even up through the Roman Empire and all over the world where paganism is, when gods are evoked or demonic entities are invoked, one of the ways they were invoked was sexual relationship in the temple. That's why you'll see temple prostitutes being referred to in, in the Bible and in Canaanite practice. And they were both male and female. So a lot of what we see in the sexual immorality realm, homosexuality and things of that nature is directly linked 
to the spirit of witchcraft. What's really interesting is as you see the rise of this LGBTQ agenda stuff that's happening, you also are seeing the rise of all of this magical occult practices in the United States. That is no coincidence, my friends. That is something that uh, I believe they're linked together along with the spirit of religion. All of those things are like a three, there are three a strand cord that's not easily broken if you don't have Jesus. But bringing your attention to some of these things, keep you know watchful eye on what is divination. What is and some of this we're not going to obviously get all the way through this on a podcast unless I did multiple series. But some of that is in your responsibility to actually dive into the scripture and, and seek these answers out yourself. I'm bringing attention to them so that you'll know that these things are real. They're really practiced by people that are serious about magical arts. And as Christians, we need to be aware of that, both in the fact that, you know, sinners are going to sin, but we we definitely don't want to intermingle that stuff within our churches and within our own families as Christians. We want to have compassion on the sinners. We also want to make sure that we are 100% aware and know beyond, beyond knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There is not a demon in hell that will not bow its knee in the name of Jesus. Jesus, his name, will send a, a demon running in a heartbeat. I, the whisper of his name, I've seen it make a demon run. Uh, I sort of great story of the the current guy that's over exorcism in the United States in the Catholic Church talks about this and how he's he's seen these all, all these weird full out manifestation almost exorcist types of things and just the small not screaming not yelling just say in the name of Jesus just that's like that and they go there is no one that's ever called upon the name of Jesus that has regretted it. I encourage everybody, get equipped. Start looking at these things. Know what your children are watching. Know what you're watching. You know, realize that these things that are happening, if they weren't, if there wasn't some agenda, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about conspiracy theory. I'm talking about the devil's agenda. If it didn't work, if there wasn't something to it, he would not be doing it. And so we got to be careful that we just don't blow these things off and make sure that we know what we're watching and be careful of it. I can't say this enough. The greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And until we talk again, God bless.